Have you ever had someone come into your life at just the right time? Well, today, y'all, we get to talk to my friend, Nancy Stevens, who the Lord sent to me at just the right time. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I'm Karna Atkinson, and this is the Hidden Jewels podcast. My mentor, Roxanne Parks, and I are here to give space for the quiet voices of many older women of God whose experiences and wisdom are the words we need to hear today. Can't wait for you to hear today's talk. Let's get to it. We're so excited to be here today. I am so excited to be here today because I get to chat with two of my favorite personal mentors. Um, And so, of course, everybody knows my Roxanne, and I'm so excited for everyone to meet my Nancy, Um, Nancy Stevens, and um, her husband, Doug, have just been uh, a sweet balm to uh, my husband and my soul over the past couple years, walking us through um, just some challenges and um, just really uh, being a safe place for us to land. And so, Nancy, I'm so excited for everyone to get to know you. And um, thank you. Yeah. So let's just jump in. Um, Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, thank you for this opportunity to be on your podcast. And I'm excited that you ladies are doing this. Yeah. yeah. We are too. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I was the youngest of three children. I was born into a Christian home and um, my parents always took me to church. So I knew a lot of facts about who God was and how you were supposed to act in life. Um, Unfortunately, there was a lot of fear in my home, Um, just fear of what might happen. And um, there was also this teaching that I really needed to be perfect. Um, My church taught me a lot about God, as I was saying, but I also heard a lot of judgmentalism and condemnation. So... We were very much introduced to Jesus, but then there was a huge list of things, do's and don'ts, you know, and that was the emphasis that I grew up with. Um, And so there was a lot of guilt and um, shame and, you know, just feeling like I needed to be perfect. And yet I wasn't, I wasn't making it Um, in my home. Children were to be seen and not heard, which was quite common back in the fifties. Uh, my, dad, see, my daddy said that same thing, Nancy. So I'm with you, girl. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I've lived a long time and things have changed, maybe too much. But anyway, <laughs> women were also to remain silent in the church. So there was always this thing, well, who, where do I fit in at my church? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the age of 16, I had a pretty incredible encounter with Jesus. I was at camp. And I remember we were encouraged to go off and and pray by ourselves. So we went into the beautiful, uh, there in California, the beautiful uh, pine trees um, of the Sierra Nevada and praying and just asking God to come into my life, giving him my whole life and feeling for the first time this, there was something different um, happening. Um, As I grew up, um, continue to grow up high school, college, 
uh, even though I had this incredible encounter with Jesus, I was not really satisfied. I kept thinking, you know, when I go, when I get into high school, great, it'll be great, but then it really wasn't. Um, if only I had a boyfriend, life would be so fabulous, but it wasn't. And then, oh, it must be college I need to attain. Um, and, you know, you can give the list goes on and on. Sure. Yeah. Um, and yes, I had invited Jesus into my life, but I wasn't really satisfied. Doug and I got married in 1970, um, very young. I was 20, he was 21. We had no clue about life. <laughs> um, we went to seminary. Uh, I began teaching. Uh, we had eventually three kids. Now we have seven grandkids. God has blessed us tremendously. Um, it's been quite a journey. So that's just a little bit of my yeah. background. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about uh, maybe your marriage? Um, I know that's well, a really, big you know, story. you, you would ask me to be thinking about a couple of big events mm -hmm. that happened in my life that shaped who I am. Mm -hmm. And um, I absolutely want to share those because yeah, I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't endured both of them. Mm -hmm. The first was um, an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. The family I grew up in, like I said, I felt like I had to be perfect. Um, we were also, uh, we weren't really allowed to share our feelings. We just were, you know, the word was spoken and we obeyed. Mm -hmm. um, so I did get praise though for cleaning my plate mm -hmm. and eating hearty, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, my parents had lived through the depression. So that became something that the devil was going to use against me. Mm. And I found myself in high school anorexic. Um, again, trying to be perfect, wanting to um, get attention. Um, so I pretty much stopped eating for a while. Mm. Then I have this encounter with Jesus. I mean, all this is going on at the same time because, I mean, that's what life is. Yeah. yeah. We're complicated. Yeah. Um, I, I got into, after I had that encounter with Jesus, I was at a slumber party. My friend said, hey, let's eat all the brownies we want to, and then we could just go throw it. Mm. And Satan used that little idea to get a hold of me. And so for the next six or seven years, mm. I was distracted by, I was binging and purging. Wow. Now I look back at that and my own sister says to me, how could you have ever let that happen? I mm. can't believe that. But you know what? We are human and we are um, vulnerable. We all have our weaknesses. Yeah. But you know, God used that whole horrible experience to bring me deep into a relationship with him. Because like I said, I had to be perfect. I told no one. I had huge pride. I told no one. But I started reading my Bible. It was the only place I could turn, right? So mm -hmm. I began to pray and I read living letters. You see, I'm so old. We didn't have anything but the King James when I was growing up. <laughs> Until I was about 15 and living letters came out. And for the first time, I could understand what the Bible was saying. 
And I found all these amazing verses in Romans, these promises that Jesus would forgive me. And even when I was still in the middle of my sin, Romans 5, 8, Jesus died for me. Not when I was perfect, but when I was in the middle of my sin. Yeah. And so God used my addiction mm. to draw me close to him and to show me his character. He also showed me how self-righteous I was. Mm. Oh, I, you know, maybe I wouldn't say anything because I was very shy and insecure, but I judged people. I thought I was better than all these, you know, we had a big long list. Drinking, smoking, going to dances, even bowling was a sin because they sold alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, and of course, that's what I grew up with. We weren't Mm -hmm. even sure if uh, people that attended other churches really knew Jesus and were saved. Wow. Yeah. And I won't name my denomination, but Mm -hmm. um, it's not the only one, by the way. Yeah. That was teaching that. And I think there are people that still teach that. Yeah. Anyway, God used this, this, that was my addiction, my struggle to draw me close to him mm-hmm. in a way that I don't know, it, it probably would have taken decades if I mm-hmm. hadn't had this to deal with. So I encourage, if there are any ladies listening to this that have an addiction, mm-hmm. please do not despair, but, you know, go get some help. I didn't get help mm-hmm. except from my, from God. And I shouldn't say I don't, didn't get help, but God uses other people to help us through those times. Mm. But I thank him that he showed me that I, I needed to get off that fake pedestal where I thought I was, had to be perfect and better than everybody else. Mm. When you get to that point where you say, Jesus, <laughs> I am nothing. I deserve nothing. I am totally at your mercy. And I thank you for dying for me and for the free gift of forgiveness and salvation. I mean, that's where we need to be. And then God can start using us. Yeah. Although somehow he uses us when we're still a mess. But yeah, um, I came to love Philippians chapter two, where it describes how Jesus left heaven. And again, he comes to earth and dies for us when we're we're in our sin and it was yeah very free so that was the first major event um people always want to know well how did you get out of your eating addiction when i got pregnant i said okay now i'm i've got another body here that i'm Mm -hmm. responsible for and that was what i needed to you know no more no more of that also, Karen Carpenter had died of her from complications of her eating d- disorder. She was mm. anorexic. Yeah. And that got my attention. Mm. But um, when I got pregnant, it was like, okay, thank you, Lord. That's what I needed. Have you ever struggled with it since? Have you ever had you temptations to? You know, I really, um, I think probably in that first maybe year afterwards, I would be tempted to, to go eat and you know, binge. Mm-hmm. And I would always think, no, mm-hmm. I cannot go there. Not even once. Mm-hmm. It's like an alcoholic. Yeah. You take one drink and then, you know, you're back fighting the battle. 
Yeah. Um, but the beautiful thing is I've been able to really help some other adult women, even middle-aged women yeah, yeah. <laughs> who are struggling with eating disorders and haven't told anybody because you know, it's, I mean, often it's women who thought they had to be perfect and Christian women who were in leadership and so forth. Um, you can't admit that to anybody, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we got to be perfect in our roles and be the example. So I've, God has used my story to um, help other women yeah. acknowledge it and get help. Yeah. So praise God for that. Yeah. yeah he, he is so good to take all our mess and turn it into our message. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. uh, anybody that's listening that's in a mess. Yeah. Uh, there is an impending message as we come to him. And if you're in a bunch of pain, uh, that can turn into purpose. And so, gosh, yeah. Nancy, you've highlighted a, a just mm-hmm. clear case of such. Yes. And um, praise God for that. My other major, major event that shaped my life was our marital crisis. Mm-hmm. So um, for those of you who are in a marital crisis, I encourage you to listen. to my story and and hopefully feel some encouragement um again doug and i got married when we were very young we were incredibly immature and um very very selfish that's shocking i'm sure but seems to be the human condition yeah um anyway after nine years doug was a youth minister and um i was a stay-at-home mom And we really never learned how to communicate well because um, just of our own experience in our own childhood homes. We had never seen that model, a husband Mm -hmm. and wife communicating. My my own mother just did whatever my dad said um, and never, never, ever raised her voice to him or disagreed. In Duck's family, they would never argue in front of the kids they would go to the bedroom and have a discussion. So Doug never saw any communication that wasn't just total agreement, just exactly the way I had observed. So after two weeks, when I questioned something that Doug said, he walked out totally crushed, thinking that our marriage was destined for failure Mm -hmm. because I disagreed with him. So you can see we started off uh, not on a good foot. Yeah. But we never talked about it. We just buried it under the rug. So after nine years, our our rug had a gigantic heap underneath (laughs) it. Mm -hmm. And um, Doug was having a great time as a youth minister. And when he would come home, I would start complaining. And, you know, why are you so late? And, you know, on and on and on. I'm sure you ladies have never, ever done that. I hope you haven't. But you know, it can happen where, um, yeah. And so he, he made up his own schedule. He was the youth minister. So he would just schedule more and more things. So I was home alone with the kids. And then he'd always had stuff to go out at night. And he, of course, felt like I was always nagging him and bugging him. And I always felt neglected and abandoned. So we had a pretty big crisis after nine years and all these things we couldn't talk about. Uh, We were very angry at each other. 
I remember sitting in church one night. It was, uh, we had an evening service and we were probably sitting three feet apart. And I was thinking, oh dear, what will people think? Because that's what I did. I was always Mm -hmm. worried about what people would think. But anyway, we finally had that come to Jesus meeting and we talked about the fact that we did not enjoy living with each other. Um, Maybe divorce was what we needed. And we finally went and got counseling. Mm -hmm. And the counselor told us or asked us to tell him about a time we'd had a good time together, a fun thing we'd done. And I said, honestly, I can't think of that. And I really couldn't. Yeah. So you see, Satan will just put lies into our minds after we start having trouble. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so this counselor wisely said, go home and get out your photo albums, which is what we had back then. Real pictures in albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I walked in, I walked home, pulled out an album and I opened it up and I went, oh my goodness. And I, I just saw this recording of all the great times we had together, which I honestly could not think of. Wow. Yeah. So if you're in the middle of a marital crisis, be aware that Satan will put lies into your mind. We could not ever remember loving each other and caring mm-hmm. about each other. All we could, all we could think of was where we, what we were feeling right then. Yeah. So after we had that discussion, I mean, where where do you go from there? We had two little kids. Yeah. Um, I went into our bedroom and lay down on the bed and I began to just allow God to speak to me. And he brought forward all this pain from my childhood. Mm. I was 29 years old. It was weird because I was in the middle of a marital crisis and God revealed to me pain from my childhood. And what was that about? Yeah. I remember just going back to when I was very young and and feeling rejection and missing out on my childhood. I mean, just all kinds of strange emotions. But after crying a couple hours and just sobbing, not for my marriage, but for my childhood pain, Hmm. I began to pray that God would give me his eyes for my husband. Hmm. I said, Lord, you love the man. You see all these great things about him and all these kids adore him. There were 200 kids in our youth group. Would Satan have loved to have destroyed our marriage? Absolutely. He was after us. Yeah. He was after us. And so I said, Lord, I don't see it. I don't feel it. So I need you. I need, I don't know what all this other stuff is about my childhood pain, but I need your eyes Mm -hmm. because you see him in his perfected state. And as I was praying, the Lord said to me, Nancy, I'm going to take care of you on this, but I want to remind you that you are not the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You have been trying to fix your husband. You have been speaking to him as if you know what's best for him. And you're not the Holy Spirit. So let him do his job and back off. 
keep your mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) And I think a lot of us need to hear that message in our marriages. Yeah. We think we know what our husband should be doing. But you know what? The Holy Spirit's got it. It's not our job. It's not our job. Doesn't mean we can't express what we like or desire, but you know, we need to, many of us need to back off and be quiet and let the Holy Spirit do his job. Well, I want to tell you, it it didn't happen overnight. For me, it did happen overnight. I woke up the next morning and I looked at this man sleeping next to me (laughs) and I went, I was just overcome with love. Wow. For this man that the night before I could hardly stand to be in the same room with him. Wow. Isn't that how God works? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. And sometimes. doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Well, everybody's got their own story, right? Right. Right. But the journey forward, God took care of us. He moved us all the way across the United States where Doug taught at a Christian college. We didn't, we didn't know anybody. There was nobody to run to and get our fix from. We had God and we had to talk to each other. Mm. We had our two little kids and God did his work for me. Like I said, overnight, I was filled with love. Now, that doesn't mean there were times when I said, I literally said to God, I think I'm going crazy because how can I be living in this marriage with a man who doesn't want to be married to me? And yet I feel like I'm supposed to be here. Hmm. You know, I felt yeah. like maybe I was going crazy sometimes. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I, I actually, my counselor was my husband's mother, who oh. was a marriage and she was a marriage and family counselor. And she and I would talk often and God gave her great wisdom and the ability to be able to talk to me yeah. when I'm married to her own son. Um, she had, she and, and, uh, my father-in-law had a, a team of friends, very close friends who they shared this ongoing saga with who prayed for our marriage. Wow. So again, if you're in the middle of a marriage that is, you're in a rough place, please do not give up on it. Uh, please let God work. When we run away from difficult situations, we stay stuck there. We do not grow up. We do not mature. Our character does not grow when we run away. Now, that's not to say there aren't some, you know, physically abusive marriages. You know, and verbal abuse is is horrible, too, and it needs to be stopped. I'm not saying put up with it, but I'm saying... (laughs) Be, go to a safe place, be in a safe place. But too often, it's just, I don't like the guy anymore. Yeah. He's not meeting my needs. Too often, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I really urge you to, you know, go to the counselor, but not the counselor that says, oh dear, it's too hard, leave. Because there are those counselors that will take. Yeah. Um, our counselor said, hey, give it a year. Don't walk away right now before you've worked on it Mm -hmm. and um my thought was well maybe a year is not enough but at least that kind of got us moving towards some work instead of escaping yeah um now it took doug longer than me 
I think it was probably two to two and a half years before he came, uh, woke up one day and went, you know what? I do love this woman. Mm. So, and Doug and I have counseled a lot of couples. We've seen one person who wants to reconcile or wants to work on it. The other one does not. And then maybe six months later, the other person goes, oh yeah, I do want to work on it. Well, by this time, the first one's out the door. So (laughs) Satan does not want us to have healthy marriages. Right. If we follow Christ, he goes after us any way he can, Mm. finds our weak spots and just, yeah, pushes Mm. the buttons. So hopefully my story will give you encouragement. We made it through those rough years. And I'm not saying every day was great. No. We all had stuff. It took a long time to work out the difficult, the difficulties and to learn how to communicate. And there, you know, every day was not roses and yeah, days. How long, how long have you and Doug been married? Oh, I was, I was just going to tell you 51 <laughs> years. Mm-hmm. No and honestly, way. the last maybe 20 years have been amazing. Well, for the podcast, amazing. for the podcast listeners that are just listening and not looking there is a miracle that I'm looking at because there's no <laughs> way you could be married 51 years because you yeah. look like you're about 40 years old. Well, you're too kind and maybe yeah. going blind. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Nancy, yeah. I want, Nancy, I want to agree and highlight on one thing you said. There's so many things I could agree or highlight on. I've only been married 36 years, but um, when you said that, he said, go back and and pull up old pictures. Uh, I I was talking with a lady who was bawling her eyes out because her marriage was for sure over. And I said, I asked her to um, consider writing down a list of 10 things she liked about her husband. And she said, I can't think of one. (laughs) Yes, I can imagine. And I said, okay, the woman I'm talking to can't think of one. Nancy couldn't think of one. Mm -hmm. And your counselor said one thing to do, but another idea uh, is that I said to her, I said, well, I don't want to talk to the woman I'm talking to. Can I go back and talk to the woman that walked down the aisle? I said, did you, did you walk down the aisle or did they drag you down the aisle? And she said, I walked down the aisle. And I said, well, I'd like to talk to her. The woman that walked down the aisle chose to walk down the aisle because she had reasons Could that girl go home and could that girl write down the reasons why she married that guy? Yeah. And I think, Nancy, what you're saying is the scripture is very clear that we get away from our first love. Uh, The scripture talks about it like going returning to the love of the Lord and the love of the creator. Mm -hmm. But you had to go back and return to the love that was there or you wouldn't have been married. That's right. So I just love that story. I thought maybe I can add a different way. If someone doesn't have pictures to go back and look at, they can can go back and imagine the person that said, I do Mm -hmm. that walked down the aisle. Maybe that person is who we need to go back and talk to. Absolutely. I love, I love your idea. Yeah. I I was like a different, well, I'm going to steal your idea because the idea of going back and looking at great memories, huge. Mm -hmm. 
I go back and look at pictures with my kids. I'm empty nested. I know you are too. I go back and look at pictures with my kids going, dang, we had so many fun times together. Yes. And I guess when you went back and you looked at pictures of your marriage, it made you go, dang, we had fun times together. I love this man. It was shocking. It was shocking. (laughs) Was it? We'd had so many great times and I couldn't remember them. I think I love I love when you said um, that the enemy tries to lie to us. Satan puts lies in your mind yes. Yes. And, puts, yes. and puts lies in your marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we have a, a close um, extended family member who right now has decided to divorce her husband, like out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, everybody's just, our mouths are hanging out. We're, we're just so, in so much shock. And she will not allow us to even talk to her about it. But she says, well, I have friends that have counseled me. And they've, you know, and I feel like the Lord has really given me permission to leave this marriage. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I cringe when I hear that. Mm-hmm. Because there hasn't been uh, adultery. There hasn't been great abuse. Um, the man is not perfect. But I remember the day when she came to us and said, I've met the man that I'm going to marry and God has sent him to me. And, uh, you know, this was what, 19 years ago, maybe. Mm. And now I think they've been married 17 or something, two children. And Mm. it's like, you are hearing the voice of Satan. Yeah. He wants to destroy. You've been a leader in your church. Um, well, you know what? He wants Nancy. to destroy you. He's after, mm-hmm. he's going to, he's trying to destroy you and your children's lives mm-hmm. and your husband's life. He doesn't it's want. So it's so hard to see someone believing lies as if yes. they're true and yes. you can't convince them. To me, that ought to keep all of us humble and wanting to be humble, lifelong learners because it is a clear blind spot. And those of us on the outside can see the blind spot, but yeah. when we're blind to the blind spot, we can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for your friend, Nancy, because that's, Thank you. Thank you. that's so hard to watch someone. I feel like I'm in the world of that too. I'm watching someone right. who's living so far below their Christian privilege and they're, mm-hmm. they're not even open to hearing anything different. And I'm like, that's right. Yeah, she has told us, do not talk to me about it. We can mm-hmm. hang out, but we're we're not going to talk about it. Wow. Well, then th- we know the power of prayer. We have got to go yes. to our knees. We have got yes. to go to our knees and ask God to intervene. Yes. It's, I think it's yep. so um just that whole idea of our eyes being blinded, you know, like yes. you are blinded to all the good times, right? And you yep. The real shift though, was when you said, Lord, open my eyes, you know, like, let me see as you see. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a beautiful Mm -hmm. prayer. Um, I also just want to say, I think that I just have this overwhelming sense that you saying, give it one year is a word for somebody listening. I don't know who it is, but I just have a really strong sense of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's an opportunity to grow. Yeah. As hard as it may be. It's an opportunity for God to do an amazing thing in your life. Mm-hmm. And Jesus constantly laid down his life for us. That's what love is. Love is a decision to 
be there for that person no matter what. It's yeah. a decision. And this is one thing my mother-in-law would always say, my counselor. <laughs> love is not a feeling. It's a decision you make. If you want, if you're going to love like God loves, no matter what that other person does, you are still going to, to be patient and kind and always cheering for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to be saying anything nasty about them to your girlfriends. Mm. <laughs> um, sometimes that's hard, you know, yeah. but Jesus called us to sacrifice our lives for each other. How much more for our own husband? Yeah. Nancy, I love your conviction to say this to our listeners. Love is not a feeling. It is a decision. However, in the moment, you didn't want to make that decision. People don't want to make that decision. And then no. you said it's it's because we're blinded. And I want to invite people to consider if we all have blind spots, where are we blinded? And when you said, I asked the Lord to give me his eyes, that's a recognition maybe I'm blind, right? Maybe yeah. I can't see Lord, give me your eyes. And I give mm-hmm. you a year. Yeah. You, you know, you know, that expression, open the eyes of my uh-huh. heart. Have you ever thought about that? Yes. We have eyes on our heart. Mm. I and love of course that. it's the, the emotions, the eyes, our heart is our emo- seat of emotion. So God is saying, yeah, or Paul, I think, was telling us that it was in Ephesians. I was going to write the verse down. But yeah, open the eyes of my heart so I understand. I can mm. see with your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, but that takes humility to yeah. even say, to even say, I need you, Lord. And to me, yes. humility is the best truth, right. the best freeing gift we have. And I, it was it was something inside of you, Nancy, that was willing to humble yourself. Well, again, because of my previous experience with the whole eating disorder, I learned that I do not know it all, <laughs> that I am so far from perfect. Um, and that's where we need to, that's where we need to live our lives is from that place of humility and surrender. Mm. Yeah. And that's my word for the year. And uh, so I always perk up when I hear that word and ask the Lord to just mm. give me understanding of that word. Um, yeah. So as you've walked through your marriage uh, and things aren't always rosy and um, how do you um, continue with that spirit of, um, you know, that you're not the Holy spirit. How do we practically as wives walk through our day to day, you know, cause our husbands are not always, it's not like they're, I mean, my husband is great, you know, but he's also human and sins. And, um, how do you just on a normal day-to-day basis, how do you walk through that? Not being the Holy spirit. <laughs> you know, I think when you get to that point where you, um, and again, I'm 71, so I've lived a very long time. I think the older I've gotten, the easier it has been to let go of my agenda. And I do have an amazing husband. 
And he really is all that I told you, all these other people loved him so much. He really is all that. But mm -hmm. as you say, our husbands are human beings. They're not perfect. Um, but, you know, the older we've gotten, God has changed me tremendously. He's changed God tremendously, too. Mm -hmm. And as he has um, surrendered his will, God has been able to use him even more. Mm -hmm. um, he's become, the, you know how they have the five love languages? Yeah. And it's, you know, my, I really love, I love it when, when my husband serves me in like helping. Yeah. Uh, acts you know, of service. Acts yeah. of service. Yeah. Acts of service. We had, we had three kids and of course they're all grown and gone now, but it's a lot of work. I was working full time. And then I was also taking care of the three kids full time. And, um, you know, the generation that Doug and I grew up in, the boys in the family were waited on hand and foot. The women of the family cooked, cleaned, served. That's just, I mean, that's the way it was in my family too. Yeah. But over the years, things have changed. Thank you, Jesus. And um, my, my dear husband now always does the dishes, does all the vacuuming. I mean, so I'm really feeling, that's how I feel loved. Yeah. Um, and we've learned how to talk to each other, Karna. Mm -hmm. um, use it, you know, you've probably heard all those things. You use I messages, you, do, you don't say always or never. And, mm -hmm. you know, so we've, we've picked up over the years, we've, you know, gone to couples retreats and picked up things here and there. Um, on how to communicate, because that's something we really needed to learn how to do. And as we've learned, um, one of the things I was going to mention that I've, I've learned recently is how important it is to go back and examine that first family that you were born into mm. and find out why you react certain ways and why you communicate certain ways. So um, that's one thing I wanted to really encourage people to do. Um, it's, for me, it was incredibly painful. And, you know, I had a family where I felt very secure. Um, we, you know, I never, I was never fear, fearful of, you know, losing that security. And yet there were a lot of things that needed to be dealt with. And I, I mentioned that fear was fear was kind of the anxiety part of it was um, kind of a default setting. Um, I did feel secure. I felt loved on a certain level, but we weren't a family that ever said, I love you. Mm. Hugs were, I don't really remember hugs. Mm. Okay, so, and not really feeling acknowledged. Um, my grandparents that I, the ones I knew, um, my grandfather, I don't think ever spoke to me. Wow. Yeah. When I look at my own, I look at my husband, who's an amazing grandfather and how we, you know, we love our grandkids. We interact with them. But in my home, I was just kind of there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my one grandmother, grandmother didn't even want me to be born. She was the one who lived with us. The other grandmother was a sweetheart, but I didn't see her very often. So growing up, feeling like I wasn't really acknowledged and kind of, I, I don't know, it's complicated. But kind of I like unseen, this, like 
unseen. Yeah. yeah. So all of us go into adulthood with these experiences. Mm-hmm. And you know what? My family did the best they could. They probably did a lot better than they, they'd experienced, you know? Right, right. But the, the, the deal is, as followers of Christ, let's find out what generational sin needs to end. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And that requires looking backwards. And, you know, I don't want to dishonor my parents, but I, I want to be realistic and say, this is the way it was. And I don't, I've already done it to my kids. <laughs> but I've had opportunity because I didn't become aware of this until recently. But I've had opportunity to, to talk to them and say, man, I am so sorry that I, whatever, did this or raised you this way. And they're gracious. Um, and they get, oh, mom, you, you know, you were great. You were fine. But I think it's important to look back and see what needs what needs to change. If if we're young enough to already to still have our kids at home, that's incredible. And if we're old enough that they've already moved on, we can still have those conversations so that they don't repeat the same stuff with their own kids. Mm. Right. I, I love the promise where God says that he can work all things together for the good. Um, That's right. And all my negative things that I did, I totally remember hearing uh, the wise counsel from someone just like you shared, Nancy. And I remember saying, um, everything you like about me or dad, carry it on everything you don't like i give yes. you permission to do better there to stand go. on our shoulders you do better you be better you go and i said but i just want you to know that i threw my heart and over the bar to be the best mom i could be at the time with all i knew at the time yeah, yeah. and so nancy it's so funny because you and i are both a little older than karna and i have said those same things to my kids going Oh, if I could go back and do it all again, I promise you I'd be a better mother. But I think when we give our moms and dads the grace to be imperfect, um, then we know that we are too, even though we're trying to do it perfectly. And then our kids are going to go through this parenting process. And I just want to say to my kids, your kids are going to think you're messing it up and you're giving it your all. But this is, (laughs) this is, this is, we're human. We're human. Yes. And this, this repeats generation to generation and the grace that we would give our parents or give ourselves or give our kids key component. Yes. Yes. And and Nancy, you said, I wrote down and talking to your spouse, you said, never use the word always and never <laughs> yes i did say never <laughs> yeah okay but no that's good okay and then you said address with the word you said use the word i can you explain mm-hmm. it uh, what, what that means right right no that's good um instead of saying well you made me feel mm. if you say i felt a little hurt when you said mm-hmm. instead of saying you made me feel hurt um, you know, it's a subtle difference and yet it's huge. It's huge. Now the deal is your spouse may react poorly. Um, anyway. Yes. Especially if you have a, a sensitive spouse. Um, but I think, you know, getting back to Karna's question, how to Peg and I, you know, work through these things after being married so many years and really knowing each other so well, <laughs> I mean, it is an advantage. Um, 
we find ourselves when we do have a disagreement now or a heated exchange, we know how to keep working through it. And there's always an apology if necessary, you know, mm -hmm. after we've kind of blown it. Just mm -hmm. give yourselves a few minutes, come back, and whoever needs to apologize will. Um, so if you're not there yet, hang on. Keep praying. Um, and, and, you know, I really, I want to encourage younger women that are hearing this. Life is going to bring you seasons, different seasons. I mean, when our kids were little, that was a hard season. <laughs> preschool, not my favorite time of, of life, having preschool kids. And our kids were so spread out. We had nine years of mm -hmm. preschool kids, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, Karna has a lot of kids, so she's probably got more than that. <laughs> but they were just tough years. And so it's good to ask yourself, what can I be doing differently? that would help me address my own needs to help me have what I need to get through this time. Mm. You know, I, I was telling you, I was very shy back in those days, but when I found a few girlfriends that I could hang out with, that made a big difference. Mm -hmm. And when I was healthier, um, we had our, we had Diane when we were in Rhode Island, our youngest. And so instead of just sitting at home, feeling sorry for myself, I found other women that had kids the same age and we started our own preschool. It wasn't really preschool, but we did a co-op kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. And so, and then we got to know new people and I mean, it was fabulous. Mm -hmm. So rather than laying it all on your, your husband, be creative, mm -hmm. ask God to give you ideas, reach out to somebody that needs a friend just like you do. And, um, I found that that's just, that makes all the difference in the world. Mm. I think that's such a good point. Cause I think, well, I know for myself, I can only speak for myself, but I know there have been seasons where, um, it's kind of our, it's been my default sometimes to look to Preston to meet all my needs. Right. Yes. yes. Um, and so when that's not happening, because it's not actually possible for him to do that, exactly. um, you know, we get, I just get swirling in my head and upset and, yes. um, mm -hmm. and really the, the answer to that is community. And I love that idea. Just be creative and mm -hmm. look at yeah. other ways, you know? Yeah. And when you think of Jesus, when he was with his disciples and remember his mom came to visit with, with his brothers yeah. and they're knocking on the door and they're going, Oh, Jesus, your mom's out there with your brothers. And he goes, no, I'm here with my family. Yeah. All of you are my brothers and sisters and mother. And it's like, what? Mm -hmm. If we know Jesus, everybody else that knows him and loves him is our brother and sister and mother and father and mm -hmm. sons and daughters and all that. So, you know, don't expect your husband to meet all of you. If you had asked me back when we first got married, you know, who's first in your life? I would have said God. You know, because yeah. that's the right answer. Mm -hmm. But in reality, um, I was probably the first mm. in my life, truly. And then Doug was next. But I really thought he was going to meet all my needs. Yeah. And as you're saying, Karna, that no human being can do that. Right.
that God can, God can meet all of our needs. And he very often sends people to love us right. um, that will meet our needs. But sometimes like during those years, when I was, when I was battling my addiction, God was the only one mm-hmm. for me and he got me through it. Yeah. They'll hold you close. Yeah. Are you close? Mm, love that. I think it's, I, I'm just thinking about what a gift it is to release one another to the Lord, you know, instead mm. of holding, yes. even as a nagging wife, you know, like, I think you should be doing something different or, you know, I want you to meet my needs. Um, but just releasing, mm-hmm. releasing them. Yes. I love that idea about um, and I've heard you say this before, just in our own conversations, just that the Lord loves our husbands, mm. you know, yeah. and yeah. he wants good for them and yeah. we can trust him with that releasing. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So, and he does a much better job. You know? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so. You know, what, one thing, as we went through that barrel crisis, I realized that, that Jesus was my rock that he was he was the total cake and my husband's love for me was just frosting on the top yes yes but the cake was jesus right um and he's never going to change he's never going to leave me no matter what i do he always loves me that actually gets our that actually gets our spouses off the hook to have to be the cake Exactly. Exactly. And it gave it gave me such freedom. I no longer had to please everybody. I didn't have to be the person that they thought I should be. You know, as a pastor's wife, we went back after the marital crisis and Doug became a senior pastor. And the first day, I think the first Sunday, some lady came up and told me all the things I needed to be doing. Or no, she told me what she didn't like about Doug. That was it. Within the first month. And I said to her sweetly, I'm sure he'd love to hear all your ideas. Why don't you make an appointment with him? You can talk to him about these things. And of course, she never did, but she never came to me again with her complaints. Yeah. So again, just the freedom of, you know, letting go. I don't, I think a lot of people are raised that they have to please everybody else. And it's, it really is impossible. So to have that freedom, knowing God loves us just the way we are, just the way we are, not after we get our everything together. Yeah. Um, he loves us. And then we're free. Mm-hmm. Then we're free to be the people he calls us to be. Mm, it's beautiful. And there's no better place. No better place. That's right. No better place to live. So Nancy, do you have one final thought you want to leave with all of our people? Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, summing it all up, it really is trust Jesus with your life, surrender Mm -hmm. everything that you are to him and everything that you love to him, surrender it all. Mm -hmm. And he will lift you up. Humble yourself, remember, in the Mm -hmm. sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Mm -hmm. So surrender your husband, your children, your ambitions, 
everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And one of the things that the Lord has really been moving in my own heart about that idea of surrender is that our surrender is safe with him. Yes. I love that. Absolutely. Well, I just am so, so grateful to the Lord for both of you in my life. Uh, I'm going to try not to cry, but I just tangible grace to me, both of you have been and continue to be. So um, just thank you so much. Thank you so much, Roxanne. I love the body of Christ, Nancy. I love hearing your story. I love that you and I love Karna. And it's a privilege. (laughs) We do. It's easy to love. (laughs) I know, but it's a privilege in my mind um, to be able to encourage others with those places that we have been encouraged. It's just like, you know, the scripture says, he comforted us and then we comfort others. So Amen. Uh, Nancy, I know you can relate to her in ways I never can and never have. And so it's fun to be on team Karna. No, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. you guys. Absolutely. Enjoy our inspiration. Yeah. Enjoyed our time together, Nancy. Thank you for taking it. Thank, uh-huh. Thank you. Love you so much. You guys, just this morning, I was listening to a sermon and the pastor used the metaphor of being in the kitchen, cooking a meal and everybody's in your way. And you just say, just get out of the kitchen. Well, he taught us that sometimes that's how we are when we are messing around in our life and telling God what we think it should be. But he is the great chef and he has the best recipe and he knows how to work the tools the best and he just tells us just get out of the kitchen and let me handle it I am preparing something amazing for you so that's my encouragement to you today just get out of the kitchen that's my encouragement to me as well Roxanne and I are so very thankful you took the time to listen today. If you want to connect with us more, hop over to Facebook and join our free community, Finding the Hidden Jewels. For more information on working with Roxanne or myself, visit us at roxanneparks.com or karnaatkinson.com. Make sure you check out the show notes over at hiddenjewelspodcast.com. And remember, you are a precious jewel in the eyes of Jesus. Your story matters. Let the world see you so they may see him.